when I say no, it opens up space for hell yes somewhere else. Sometimes I will say no to something so that I can say yes to protecting my peace. everybody, Emily Abadi coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to episode 205 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Today, I am bringing you my conversation with Tunde Oyenane. You know and love her from the Peloton bike. This is her third appearance here on Hurdle, and I am so, so excited to have her here talking about a bunch of things, including her upcoming book, Speak, Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut, and Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. For today's episode, we're really catching up. We're talking about the last couple of years and a lot of the really special topics that are in her book. You know, this woman, crazy busy leading up to this launch, we're chatting about what soul care, as she loves to call it, looks like these days, a topic she introduced on the show last time. Also, how it feels for her to be more established in her career right now. She opens her book, I'm a fitness instructor and a Nike athlete. And these are two designations, two ways that she identifies that have really come into light over the last few years. She's really stepped into this beautiful role as a Peloton instructor. She landed this really amazing opportunity with Nike. And I ask her how she feels about that, how she feels when she closes her eyes and puts herself maybe into the body of her younger self. Would she even believe it? We also talk about the idea of your calling and if everyone has the same opportunity to lead a life where you get to chase that calling, how to navigate unexpected challenges, how to embrace authenticity, and what else she's excited about, where she's going, what's coming next. So much goodness in this conversation. So grateful for my girl Tune Day and her time. And I'm also really amped to going to her live show this week in New York City. Love supporting my people. Love the vibe of this conversation and happy to share it with you. I'm coming off of a really special trip to Germany. I went out there to attend the Adidas Roads to Records event. They ran three different distance races, the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon, encouraging some of their professional athletes to go after new personal records. And the whole environment, super motivating, super exciting. I'm so grateful that I got to be a part of it. It was great to have some time strolling around the streets of a town called Erlagen. My German, not good. <laughs> after all of the festivities were done and getting my German beer, and gelato and yeah it was just a nice little breath of fresh air spring has sprung and i am feeling amped make sure you're following along with the show over at hurdle podcast i am over at emily abadi and subscribe to the weekly hurdle rate and review the podcast show your love for the brand it is always always appreciated links to do all of this are in the show notes with that Let's get to hurdling.
today I am sitting down with my girl Tune Day. How are you doing today, my friend? Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, how are hey, you? Girl, hey. I'm good. I'm good. You're joining an elite club of people. This is your third appearance on Hurdle, your first appearance on Hurdle back in February 2021, your second appearance, May 2021. It's been a minute. I know. I thought this was going to be like a once a quarter thing, but I'm down with once <laughs> a year. <laughs> if you year. want it to be once a quarter, girlfriend, I'm sure we can find something to talk hey. about once a quarter. <laughs> how are we feeling? I'm doing good. Today was a little bit of a wild day and still I'm doing pretty great. Very energized today. Feeling good. If you had to pick two highlights, I know two is like not many, but two from the last year since we last spoke. Do you have anything to pop in with me? One, I have a book coming out on May 3rd called Speak, Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut and Get From Where You Are to where you want to be in the third grade. I said that I wanted to write a book before I lived the lessons that I will speak to, um, in this book. And so now that moment's here, that moment's arrived. It feels really good. And then number two, I am Nike's first ever trainer to be named Nike athlete. And so to have a partnership with Nike, to be the first anything with Nike um, is like beyond, beyond what I would have ever uh, thought was possible. So yeah, uh, girl, so many win in the last 365 days. And uh, with that is so much gratitude and immense level of gratitude, uh, not only for all the opportunities, but to the community at Peloton, who's made this possible for me. Gratitude with self for believing myself worthy, for believing myself able, capable, for trying, for never giving up. Yeah, lots of gratitude. Before we talk about speak, I want to touch on something, knowing how busy that you've been and how busy you've embraced being as of recently, that you and I spoke about I believe it was your first episode of Hurdle and which I know that you do speak to often. And that is the idea of soul care. How is Tune Day in the craziness of everything that's going on, making sure I'm looking at you <laughs> to get in that soul care? It's tough. Let me not mislead you. My soul care in the last few weeks as we're leading up to this tour uh, my soul care has come in like little micro doses of soul care, like five minutes here, five minutes there, three minutes here, a minute of stillness there, a song that I play on repeat. Like that's one of the things I do, play the same song. My soul care comes in doses. You know, I've said this before, but you know, soul care for me sometimes is just saying no. When I say no, it opens up space for a hell yes somewhere else. Sometimes I will say no to something so that I can say yes to protecting my peace. Because if my peace isn't protected, if I'm not good, then what is it for? Yeah, I have to be good to me so that I can be good to other people. When I'm not showing up for myself, I'm not showing up for other people. My job requires me to show up for other people. And so if I can't 
do that for self first, then I have nothing to pour. When you are super burnt out, where do you dig from for the gratitude in what you do to keep showing up anyway? Because I know that that's where you have to reach in those really tough moments. People. I'm, I'm big on energy and frequency and vibe and feeling people's vibes. Like, you know, it'll be a Saturday and I'm in that studio and then Alex Toussaint walks in and Alex like carries a high vibration. He just walks around smiling, you know, uh, Adrian's another one where I almost feel uncomfortable being in a bad mood around Adrian because he's just pure sunshine. And so I absorb that stuff. My friends, I have friends who will remind me like, you know, of the beginning. And then when someone faces you and you have to stand in front of a mirror and see your reflection and recall, recount on the beginning There's so much gratitude in that. We are so busy chasing the goal that not only do we not enjoy the journey, but we often, we're moving so straight ahead, even though success isn't linear, it's up and down, highs, lows, valleys, dips, bends, misdirection, right direction. We are so focused on ahead that we forget to look back. And when you look back, you can see all the shit. You can see all of the friction. You can see everything that you moved through. My friends, um, they, they, they're, they're the mirror. They're the mirror that I, that I see my reflection in and they remind me. Um, and you can't but feel gratitude when you remember. Definitely. Definitely. And I love how when I asked you two of the things that really resonated with you from this past year, two of your highlights, you undoubtedly said the book coming out shortly, but also mentioned being a Nike athlete. And I noticed because spoiler alert, I've seen your book that the first line of it, you write, I'm a fitness instructor and Nike athlete. Now, when I say that back to you, if you close your eyes right now and like put your current self in the body of Tunde a decade ago. How does that make you feel? 26. Uh, Tunde at 26. Makes me feel proud of myself. Proud of myself for believing myself. And what do you mean by believing yourself? Uh, Believing that I was worthy. Believing myself worthy, capable. Believing my intuition. You know, I think it was the first time, I mean, the second time we met, um, via podcast world. And I talked about that blue light experience where I saw this, this, this time, this, everything that's happening right now. I saw this in a vision after my very first cycling class. I knew that I'd be cycling for the rest of my life. I knew that I'd be teaching it. I knew that I'd be teaching it on the world's biggest platform, able to connect with tens of thousands of millions of people. After my very first cycling class without knowing what Peloton was, I saw it. I was clear. It was clear. And I was certain I am so proud of myself for trusting that divine download. I am so proud of myself for believing that intuition, listening to its call. I could have easily said it was a dray dream. Oh, I'm just thinking about something. But instead, I trusted <laughs> it 
for what it was. And I, that's hard to do. Authenticity is the intersection of trust and truth. Authenticity is the intersection of trust and truth when you trust yourself enough to show up as you truly are. Um, I'm proud that in this moment, I am able to show up as me because me, I am good enough. I am not perfect. I do not pretend to be. And I am me and that's good enough. In the way that you speak and I, you know, it's funny because I've learned so much about the way that I speak from editing myself over and over and over again, as I'm sure you've learned a lot about the way <laughs> that you speak, watching your classes over and over and over again and seeing the, you know, the Instagram posts of the things that you're saying over and over and over again. But one of the things I love about the way that you speak is when you say something and you go and say it again. And it's something that is not signature or exclusive to Tune Day, but I think it's very effective. Do you notice that you're doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, yes and no. I think that power and purpose are connected. I think that your power is connected to your purpose when you're living in purpose, on purpose, of purpose, moving in purpose, on purpose, of purpose, speaking in purpose, with purpose, on purpose, of purpose. When that chant almost comes over me, the chant being like a rhythm, the rhythm that causes me to repeat something, it's be, it's, it, those are the moments where I'm so connected to a higher frequency. Those are the moments when I'm so connected to my power. And so do I say something knowing that I'm about to repeat it? No, I don't go into it to repeat it. But the, the tingle that comes over my body when I say something, the drum that comes over my body when I say something that I know needs to be repeated, that's what guides that. In the book, I say, in the book, I speak to it and I say sometimes when I'm teaching a class, I repeat things twice so that the writer has the opportunity to absorb it so that I have the opportunity to absorb it. And so me repeating that moment in that, repeating what I'm saying in that high frequency moment, it's for the listener and it's for me. We're absorbing it together. Yeah, because that's kind of what I gather from that vocal inflection from you. It's as though the sentence comes out and it's almost as though whether I'm looking at you or I'm not looking at you, I can hear it within your voice that you know, I need to say that one more time because I need to absorb that. I want to come back to that. I want to revisit that. And that's really special because it is indicative, I would say, of that alignment and of that passion and of that purpose. Something else that I know that you speak to a lot 
aligning with those words of passion and purpose is your calling. And in the book you write, here's the thing about your calling. It doesn't come with instructions. It's like getting into a car with a destination, but no map. You know where you're supposed to go, but you don't know how to get there. So you get in the car and you just start driving. My question for you when it comes to your calling is, do you think that you are lucky that you get to live out your calling every day? Do you think that everyone has that opportunity to align their work with their calling? Or do you think that they don't always need to be one in the same? Hmm. That's tough. I think two years ago, I would have said lucky. Now I would say to chop it all up to luck would be doing myself a disservice. I think it's I agree. preparation meets opportunity meets some luck. Because I say some luck because there are people that prepare um, and then the opportunity and, you know, it doesn't happen. So, yeah, there's there's definitely, you know, maybe a bit of magic in there, right? But I, I would chop magic up to, like, manifestation as well. Like, really, really, really believing, really putting it out there. Can we hash on manifestation for a second? Because I know that you uh, earlier were talking about you know, that firm manifestation and belief that you were going to be teaching cycling on the world's biggest cycling platform. And I'm sure that there are a handful of people that are listening to this that want and do dream that big, but feel as though their manifestation just isn't working for them. It's not happening. They're getting frustrated with the process, perhaps. What do you say to that person? I mean, look, I didn't just like decide I wanted to, I didn't just have this, this blue light vision, this divine download and then, you know, fairy tales and butterflies and everything was great. No, I went back to LA. I was in New York when this vision came, I went back to LA, told myself that the, it, that I couldn't do it. I don't look like an instructor. I don't sound like an instructor who the hell would find me motivating. What would I even say to people? Nobody wants to look at me on a bike. These are all the things that I told myself. My friends called me a liar. When I said those things about myself, my friends called me a liar. I talk about my friends in the book. I say that my, my friends aren't just friends. Like, yeah, I got friends. And then I got like people, people, people friends. And it's a very short list of my people. I liken it in the book to the Meredith Gray and Christina Yang friendship. Uh, my people. I said all those things. Those are all the reasons I, 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 I wouldn't be able to, to do it, see this vision through. And they called me a liar and I was lying to myself, not to them. They knew what was really under there was fear, it's fear, it's fear. I was allowing fear to steer. I was allowing fear to hold me hostage. Um, then I moved through that fear and I do it anyways. Awesome. Still not a fairy tale story. Uh, I auditioned for Peloton, had a wonderful audition. Couldn't have gone any better got rave reviews after the audition. And then I didn't get the job. A month later, they called me and said, we won't be moving forward or emailed me and said, we won't be moving forward uh, with your candidacy. Thank you. Yeah. And so then, you know, you go through this stage where for me, it wasn't just, you didn't, I didn't get a job. It wasn't that I didn't get a job. It was, I'd seen something and I believed it to be so true. Trusted myself fully. And then realized that was wrong. 
until I then realized that I wasn't wrong. And I realized that my life, when I look at my life, 36 years, it's been 36 years of collecting data. Data shows me that things are going my way, even when they're not going my way, that they ultimately go my way. And I've experienced a lot of loss in my life, a lot of trauma. And still, things, I believe, things that are happening, they end up working, moving in my favor. You don't realize, you know, something happens and say, shit, that, you know, why is this happening? And then five years later, you see, okay, that had to happen for this happen. Ten years later, you see, oh, okay, well, that little piece had to fall and land in that perfect spot because this was a result of that not happening or that happening. I was not supposed to get the job with Peloton the first time around. I wasn't. I realize that now. Uh, there was there was uh, players that had changed. I was supposed to start the job when I started the job and not a day sooner. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it wasn't a kumbaya story and it wasn't easy. Um, it wasn't an easy story that I got here. And I say that to speak to the person who's going through whatever they're going through. Yeah. And I think that, as you say in the book, like these unexpected challenges, these hurdle moments, so to speak, they are our opportunity to then harness the strength that we have garnered from all of the difficulties that we faced up into that point. Right. First and foremost, I love it whenever you work hurdle into a line. So good. <laughs> um, but yeah, whether it's something that your parents go through and it's a young person, you don't understand the full scope of what they're going through, but you see the emotion. And then we're walking, we move through life collecting information, data, as I said earlier. You move through life connect, collecting information and, and, and data. I think that resilience is innate. As you're collecting these small moments, you store it to call on, to pull on later. I sat when I was writing the book and I thought about how I watched my mother after she lost her father. I watched her collect the pieces of herself that were shattered. I watched her collect them and then continue to live, not just survive, but continue to live. And I think that the resilience that came over me when I lost my little brother and my ability to then almost parrot my parents through that loss in many ways was from some of the information that I'd collected throughout my life. When I lost my dad and then had to mother my mother, I called on the information, the moments that I'd gone through just three years earlier when I lost my brother. And then when I lost my mom, my best friend, and was able to rise in that moment to be a glue for the family, it was a result of being able to use these moments that I created this, res this internal reservoir 
I would say that I'm not sure if resilience is innate, but I feel as though you can choose to channel your own resilience. Mm. It's kind of like when you're going through any hurdle moment and you have the opportunity to play the victim or ask the question, what's next, right? And it takes perhaps a handful of those hurdles to get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm ready to chin up and ask what's next instead of lingering in that malaise. But it doesn't always happen for some naturally. I think to your point, resilience is a choice. I say I say resilience is innate in that resilience is like confidence. It's not something that you buy. You don't go to the store and buy confidence. You don't go to the store and buy the ability to be resilient or resiliency. It lives inside of you. Your choice unlocks the ability. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, my friends at Daily Harvest. When I am doing a thousand things in one day, and that feels like always, there is nothing that is more convenient than having Daily Harvest at the ready in my freezer. I'm coming and going a lot lately, so that means that I'm not often coming home to a stocked fridge, but I always have Daily Harvest in my freezer. Daily Harvest helps me keep that freezer fully stocked with options that are delivered right to my door and are delicious, nourishing, and ready in minutes. From harvest bowls and soups to flatbreads, snacks, smoothies, lattes, and more. All of these great picks are built on organic fruits and vegetables. Plus, they have options for any time of day. I'm talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and dessert. Lately, I have been on the smoothie kick. I feel like it's that time of year where a smoothie is chef's kiss. They've got a strawberry peach smoothie that I add a little bit of my own protein to. It is perfection. Also a big fan of their tomato and basil flatbread, their broccoli and cheese harvest bowl. So many delish clean options that help me keep on track during my busiest work days. Avoid the takeout temptation and get Daily Harvest. Head on over to dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod to get up to $40 off your first box. Again, that is dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod to get up to $40 off your first box at dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod. Also want to give some love to my friends at Inside Tracker. Founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data, Inside Tracker is determined to transform your body's data into true knowledge, meaningful insights, and customized action plans of science-backed nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle recommendations. By using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Last year, I was feeling a little bit sluggish in my marathon training, so I was pumped to first try Inside Tracker. With a quick mobile blood draw and DNA swab, along with info from my wearables, I was able to receive detailed results that revealed I had lower levels of iron and ferritin. The results also came with recommendations on some holistic modifications to help me better go after my goals. Super 
useful. Head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle and you will receive 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store today. Again, that is insidetracker.com slash hurdle to get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store today. So when you think about your journey to becoming an author, you said, you know, this is something that you've been thinking about from a really young age. When did you feel like you had stepped into the right chapter of your life to get to this point? Was there a certain moment or a certain thing that guided you toward this being the time to dive into this arena? I mean, when's the right time for anything um, <laughs> in terms of like feeling ready, right? In terms of you feeling ready. I don't think this was a matter of, oh, I feel ready and that's why I'm putting this out now. It was more so the last two years have been full of so much doubt and so much uncertainty for so many people. So much doubt and so much uncertainty for so many people. The title of the book, Speak, Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut, and Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. If there's ever been a time where collectively as a people we rethink the way we think or look at any and everything, it's right now. The book is a memoir, a manifesto, a story of my life, a guide, if you will. It's a story of all the loss and all the heartache and heartbreak and setbacks and missed opportunities and body image issues and joy and hope. I think that we are all more alike than we are different. I think we're a lot more alike than we are different. My hope is that you pick up this book and it meets you exactly where you are. My hope is that you see a little bit of yourself within my stories. And then when you close the book, you're inspired to grab the pen that writes out the next chapter of your life. And so, yeah, I mean, I said I wanted to write a book in third grade and then all the stuff sets in. People tell you can't, you can't, you don't know where to put the comma, the punctuation, period. You know, the teacher, <laughs> the teacher comes in with that red thing and tells you that, you know, basically you're not a good writer. And, you know, it wasn't until maybe a year and a half, two years ago, a friend of mine said, because I've said it my entire life, I want to write a book. one day I'm going to write a book. One day I'm going to write a book. And a friend of mine said, you know that somebody else edits the book, right? They do all the commas and the periods and all that stuff. I said, oh, <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, I know that I'm a storyteller and I knew that I had a story um, to tell. And this moment, I felt like I could connect with people in connect with people through connect with people. Do you also feel like that moment aligns with you being in a place where you're living as your most authentic self? Say that again. Do you also feel like this moment that you feel as though, I mean, the word memoir, it's a big word, right? And it's not like at third grade, you're like, I'm ready to write my memoir. But now you have come into this space, not only in your career, but also I would say looking at you as my friend, as a woman, where you are standing in your purpose, living without hesitation as your most 
authentic. I don't give a what anybody else thinks about me self. My question is, is that why this is the time? Yes. A lot of people struggle with that coming into their own in their authenticity. And I say that recognizing that just because you, Tunde, are very sure of who you are and what you have to offer, I know that doesn't come without moments where you have like a frazzle about something that someone somewhere says at some point or whatever, like that like happens to all of us. But there is a point I believe when you're stepping into your purpose that you stop caring so much or maybe get better at judging how to deal with that, I'll call it white noise. Can you talk about that process for you and what it's been like? Because I know it has not been easy. Right. I define or I like to define authenticity as the intersection of truth and trust. When you trust yourself enough to show up as who you truly are, when you trust yourself enough to live in your truth as you truly are. I was an overweight kid. I was the black girl at a predominantly white school, the only dark-skinned black girl. For so long, I tried to fade in. Fade in, fade in, fade in. If you fade in, nobody will notice you. I tried that for so long. Very low confidence, very low self-esteem, all the things. Baby, just because you tried to fade in doesn't mean people aren't going to realize you're black. And so it was just this matter of you can hide and hide and hide, but people are still going to see you. Now, couple that with words that my friend Latasha Lavelle, Latasha, if you're listening to this, hey girl. Uh, my friend Latasha, very wise, she said to me, Tunde, people's opinion of you is none of your business. People's opinion of me is none of my business. In fact, if I'm worried about what somebody else thinks of me, I'm being nosy. And, you know, in this public facing world, there's two things, there's two things I've learned. Number one, a friend of mine who was in the public eye um, for quite some time, she said to me when I moved into the space, she said, you know, just remember, you know, this is like you know, Instagram, people say nasty things, comment, message, whatever. Oh, yeah. And she said, Tunde, would you ever write something nasty on anyone's page, much less a page of a random stranger or someone that you didn't know? And I go, no, why would I do that? She goes, she asked me again, would you ever write something nasty? on someone's page. I said, no, why would I do that? She said, exactly. Exactly. Those aren't your kind of people anyways. So why would you give a damn what they think? Those aren't your type of people anyways. You wouldn't align yourself with somebody like that. So why would you care what they thought anyways? And then you move into the space where you spend time dwelling over one nasty thing that someone says and 50 other people said nothing but wonderful things, nothing but, but things that were great. And then you, you, I told myself a long time ago, I was like, my days are wild, my days are crazy, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, unfortunately, I wish I could respond to every single comment and every single message on Instagram because people say, oh my God, the way that I'm supported, Emily, the way that I am supported, Emily, oh, 
I wish I had the time and the bandwidth to respond to everybody. If I don't have the time to respond to the nice thing. Hell yes. Why in the hell would I exert any extra time that, or energy that I do have on something nasty, on a naysayer? If you have five seconds to respond to today, respond to somebody who deserves the response. Because that other person was just doing it out of spite. And then the last thing I'll say here is that typically what, what someone doesn't like in you, it's really a reflection of what they don't like in themselves. And so when somebody mm. says something to me that, do, that doesn't serve me, when somebody says something to me that's full of hate, I remind myself it's really just a mirror. It's a reflection of, of what they see in themselves. And then, and then I'm not even mad. And then I'm not even mad. Then I almost have um, empathy for them. I feel bad for them and what they might be going through. The takeaway there is so valuable. And the idea that like, why am I gonna give this person who is trying to take me down my energy when there are so many people here that are supporting me? It's, it's beautiful and it's certainly a hard thing to come by. It does not matter if you have one person that is like keeping up with your life, whether it be on social media or in the real world, or you have hundreds of thousands of people, it's human nature to like listen to that one yep. negative human. And something that I tell myself sometimes is I'll come back to this idea. I'll think about the people in my life that I admire beyond, you know, my parents and my family. Although I'm sure that they probably at one point or another in their lives had haters as well. Right. But every single person that I think of that I admire in my existence are people that have been willing to put themselves out there, that have been willing to take a stand and be like, this is what I have to offer the world. And everyone will always have something to say about them too. Everyone will always have something to say about them too. People hate the greatest fans in the world. I said this recently in an interview. There are people that hate Coldplay. There are people that hate Beyonce. There are people that hate... Oprah Winfrey. If there are people that hate Oprah Winfrey and they don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm good. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Oprah is going to be one of the guests on your book tour? <laughs> you know, I mean, I got some pretty, I got some Oprah level. Yeah. Actually, one of the guests is, uh, what is it called? Six degrees of separation. But I think it's mm -hmm. only like, it's not even what it's is. This is, that's one degree of separation. So yes, basically Oprah's there. She's not there before I get sued. She's not, <laughs> but, one of her, but one of her friends is. How about that? <laughs> well, girl, I'll be seeing you in New York. You know it. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Pivoting a little bit away from the haters because we don't want to give them any more of our beautiful energy. Obviously, writing a book is a really big undertaking. We've already talked about all of the obligations that go hand in hand with that. Forget about the obligations that go hand in hand with teaching and so many other things hand in hand with your job. How do you manage to find the time to give each of these individual things your whole self. You know what? That is a really, really, really good question. 
I try to focus on what I'm focusing on while I'm in whatever I'm in. I could write a email that and then if I'm going to teach a class, I wipe that energy off of me because I know that my, my frequency is felt, right? I would be doing a disservice to the people who are absorbing it if I was to give anything less than my best. Now, my best looks different day to day. And so sometimes what I might be saying in class might be coming from whatever I'm going through. And my belief is in that it meets someone that's taking that right that needs to hear it, whether it's live or three months later. You know, sometimes I'll get a DM from someone and they'll say, you said X, Y, and Z. And I felt that. And they'll tell me about something that they're experiencing in their life and why those words meant what they did. And I think I've, I've thought about it, you know, sometimes I think I remember that day and I remember I wasn't my best that day, but I was honest and someone and my honesty was able to better someone's day. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here having this wonderful conversation with you, with Caesar on my lap. You know, my first moment today where I'm really able to kind of sit and love on this dog as I'm chatting with you, uh, knowing that there is a massive to-do list that waits for me. Um, but I don't think, I don't, it wouldn't be fair to you or to anyone listening to allow the thoughts of what lie ahead to hinder this. Often on the bike at the beginning of the class, I say this, you know, this is a 30 minute ride. Be here and only here. If it's not on this bike, it doesn't exist. We all have our shit. We all have the bags. We all have the things. Allow yourself to let this be your escape. This is your escape. Be here. And so when I'm moving through each motion of the day, I try to just be in that one motion. Now, if you have kids, it's very difficult. And it's, it's you know, not it's easier said than done for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think that the, the trying to kind of uh, create boundaries and space um, is literally the only thing that, <laughs> girl, the only way to move. Yeah. I also think that sometimes if you feel as though you're not the kind of person that thrives in creating those boundaries and space to, to start small, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm talking to you, you're a Peloton instructor. For someone who's never gotten on the Peloton bike, you wouldn't be like, come take this 90-minute endurance power zone class. Yeah, like that's not, that's not happening. But you could be like, start with this five-minute warm-up start there. Right. Meet yourself with where you're at. And instead of getting mad about the fact that you're having difficulty, I don't know, you're a journalist, you're having a, a difficulty sitting down at your desk and working on an article for 45 minutes at a time and giving yourself entirely to that article, or you're mad that you are working, you're an accountant, you're working on someone's taxes, and your head is also in the fact that your kid needs to get home from God knows what. I'm giving really random ass examples right here. Right. But you totally no, get works. what I'm saying. It's that like it is hard to 
get to this place. And it's like exercise. It's like strengthening a muscle. It needs repeat work to get to that place where you can confidently say, okay, I can be here. I can be present. And recognizing that in small doses will then empower you to do that going forward. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Small doses, attainable doses, bite-sized doses um, until you're able to take bigger bigger bites, bigger chews. Yeah. What would you say, Tunde, that you, in writing your book, were the most surprised about yourself in your reflection? And I say that in sometimes in writing for even the weekly hurdle newsletter, I'll start to write something and maybe open up about something and realize like, I'm really diving in right here. Were there things in the book that you started to open up about maybe that you hadn't opened up about in that capacity before? Yeah. I think when the book writing process requires you, you know, we all have our stuff and you kind of throw some of your stuff in a closet and then you throw more stuff in there and then you take a key, you lock the door and you just throw the key. This required me to like dig the key, dig up the key, find the key, find the damn door and then unlock it. And then everything just kind of comes rolling out. It requires you to relive things, moments, Mm -hmm. relive, then you edit, then you relive, relive. Um, And then you realize that everyone's going to live in those moments with you. So yeah, definitely required uh, soul searching. Yeah. There's like moments. Yeah. What did you do to, to process the feelings that came up while you were quote unquote digging through the closet. Hmm. So it was therapeutic, just therapeutic, not only to, to, to dig it up and let it all fall on me and feel it, uh, but uh, to write about it. So much therapy and writing, right. To write about it. I think to write about it, but you're writing about it on a computer and then you see it printed out. Cause you print it out. That's one thing. But then to see it like bound in a book, then you like <laughs> really feel it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that I've never given myself. You know how you, your parents, right? Yeah, parents. You look at your parents as like mom and dad, but you don't look at them. Like I never looked at my mom as Veronica. I look at myself as me. Reading the book, I looked at myself as Day. I saw myself as a human. And I don't even know if that makes sense at all. But yeah, I saw myself as Day. It was, it's wild. It's wild. I feel like that's what happens a lot in therapy though, right? When someone says like, what does Tunde need? Or what does Emily need? Like, this isn't something that I'm sitting here looking at myself, staring at myself in this out-of-body experience being like, what do you need right now? All of the time. So the writing process provided a platform to you for you to be a little bit more introspective, which is exactly. great. Okay, Tunde. So as we wind down here now... I have to ask you, aside from this book launch, what else excites you at the moment? Pizza. <laughs> Pizza? That's not the answer you want. <laughs> like, when you said that, the first thing I could think of, I was like, ooh, pizza and champagne. Woo-hoo. Um, What else excites me? Mm, I'm excited to, well, that's still the book, but I'm excited to, like, meet everyone on the tour, like, to see people um, that I've just been interfacing with over a touchscreen for two years. I'm excited to spend some more time with Caesar, who's staring at me. Uh, there, I mean, there's just so much. There's so much good. There's so much to be excited about. I mean, I'm just, there's so much. I just moved into a new place, and so I'm decorating. 
and that's really really fun you just told me before we started that we are neighbors so i'm excited to <laughs> hopefully have a good brunch moment with you hell yes uh, typically at the end of the show, as you know, I ask people to give themselves a piece of advice, uh, looking back on some of their toughest moments, but for you, uh, appropriate walking out of this conversation, new book author, when someone walks away from your book after finishing it, reads the whole thing, <laughs> they look back at that experience and they reflect on it. What is it that you want them to take from your story, Tunday? I want them to hear that inner voice, to connect to that drumbeat, the compass, intuition, the guiding light, lean into moments that allow them to access their power, live in purpose move through loss their missteps missed opportunities i hope this meets them exactly where they are and moves them to exactly where they want to be tunde oyanane tell us how do we keep up with you how do we follow along with you the book is available everywhere books are sold give us the details Book is available everywhere books are sold. Hard copy available. Audio book available. Narrated by yours truly. Um, check my website, Speak Tunday, for tour details. I hope to see you on the road. You know, I like to say that I'm Gen Z. I do have a TikTok. I have all of, I think, five followers. So shout out to the five of <laughs> you. Um, you can find me on TikTok. I think my TikTok name is Tune to Tune Day. Uh, but most certainly hit me up on Instagram at Tune to Tune Day. Thank you so much, Emily. We didn't even mention Fitness Flipped, but listen to Tune Day's angelic voice also on Fitness Flipped. <laughs> yes, on Fitness Flipped, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you, uh, girlfriend. I'm over at Emily Body at Hurdle Podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.